and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss winners, losers, and fall guys. I don't want to waste one more minute. Let's get right into it. Well, we're back, Ryan. You're back. I'm back. You're still here, but I'm back. How was your little vacation? Well, I'll tell you, my vacation was great. It was extremely relaxing. I uh, although I, I I I guess if I had to do I had it to do over again, I would not have taken a vacation during both the DNC and the RNC. Yeah, because it meant that like after Zelda was to bed, we were like, well, let's just see what's going on with the DNC for a minute, and then it was like, oh boy, okay, now we're watching four hours of uh, this. Although I actually was, I mean, the RNC was nuts. The DNC was, um, you know, pretty entertaining. I thought there were some great speeches. It was a it was a, a this is us inspired political convention. Very very this is us. Very this is us. Uh, just a rich tapestry of of Americans. Um, but uh, I had a great vacation. It was very relaxing. I got to hang out with Zelda a lot. Went in the ocean. Um, uh, you know, slept in a little bit. Uh, it was great. It was wonderful. And um, I recommend. To, it's hard to go on vacation right now because one, obviously. I mean, we went to we went to a very small town uh, where we rented a house. So we basically were just like isolating somewhere else um, closer to a mm-hmm. beach, you know, and um, I, but I do recommend if you have an opportunity to take a vacation, it may seem like it's impossible to do so. Uh, but I think if you're careful and you take precautions and you pr- probably travel by car, um, at least that I would not willing like if I didn't have to get on an airplane, I certainly wouldn't right now. Um, which, but I think it's probably mostly safe, but it's take a vacation if you can. That's my recommendation to all, to all humans of, of planet earth. Take, try to take some time, take some time off because it really lets you uh, reconnect with yourself and nature and your family. Well, in the time you were gone, obviously quite a bit happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. DNC and RNC aside, um, America's postal service no longer exists and, it's gone um, now, right? It's exciting. Yep. We're, we're over it. And uh, Facebook know. has just openly declared war on the public. So Yeah. No, I think that's the way it should be. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what to make of it anymore. Like, what what is Facebook doing now? What is the latest? What did I miss? So Facebook is, I mean, the, the latest as of today is that yeah. Facebook has announced that it will sell Misleading political ads continues going to continue to do that, um, but it'll stop the week of the election. How about that? Just the week of the election, they'll pull back. They're not going to like do any new ad sales, and hmm. they think this is a strong moral stand on behalf of the country. Also, Mark Zuckerberg is donating three hundred million dollars to like quote unquote secure elections. Um, he is worth several billion dollars from ruining elections. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I just saw um, a tweet show up that shows they labeled a Trump post um, where he's talking about um, the massive number of unsolicited and solicited ballots uh, and, uh, you know, how um, you need to make sure. I mean, this post is insane. Based on the massive number of unsolicited and solicited ballots that will be sent to potential voters for the upcoming 2020 election in order to make in, in order for you to make sure your vote counts and is counted, sign and mail in your ballot as early as possible. On election day or early voting, go to your polling place to see whether or not your mail-in vote has been tabulated. 
if it has, if it has, you will not be able to vote, and the mail-in system worked properly. I'm just like, what is this about? Anyhow, it has a tag on it from it has a, a, a notification on it from Facebook. It says voting by mail has a long history of trustworthiness in the U.S. and the same is predicted this year. <laughs> it's like cool. Thanks, guys. It's cool. I'm sure a lot of people are reading that. Little and I'm sure people at the, at the people believe that over their insane cult like leader. I'm sure people. You know what? You just got to put a label on some of those Scientology books, and people are just not even going to do it anymore. I don't. Yeah, I just don't get the whole thing. Like, um, I mean, first off, I know there's this big conversation going on about Facebook about the amount of what is trafficked on Facebook, what stories do well on Facebook, and how it's like this, like you know, this alternate media universe where it's all Republican, you know, conspiracy theory, which I totally understand. But like, you know, I do think that I do really firmly believe that the Republicans are not radicalizing a lot of new people. Like, I think that that there are a lot of old scared people who are like already brainwashed by Trump. And I think there are a lot of like middle-aged people who are brainwashed by the right-wing rhetoric. But I don't really believe that there are there's a new generation of like trumpers that is like blossoming around the the globe you know or at least in america so like i kind of like i do obviously worry about facebook's influence on the election but i think that you know if the democrats do their job we should be getting out uh of uh, we should be getting votes in places we should be getting younger voters we should be getting older voters who are, you know, staunchly Democrat. Like to me, I'd be, what I'll be very surprised about and where I will get very suspicious about this election is if somehow, I'm not saying that Trump can't win. He definitely can win. But if Trump were to win in some like overwhelming way, you know, if like 55% of the vote or 60% of the vote went to Trump, I would say there's like unquestionably, unquestionably there has been like voter tampering, you know, but like we should be able to get more people voting this year than we did in 2016. Like, I know, but again, mm. the voter suppression and, I mean, even the idea that disabled people really won't have a way to vote if the mail-in system is fucked with, like, enough. Like, well, the idea that older people will have to put their lives on the line in order to go vote, and the VRA has been gutted, and the uh, absurd amount of gerrymandering, like, I very much do worry that even if we were to win the popular vote again, that there's enough legal ways to like gum up the system. And I think the problem with Facebook is not necessarily that they're radicalizing people is that they're, they're being used as a tool to slowly normalize this idea to enough Americans that it is suddenly a quote unquote controversy. Suddenly it's like, I don't know if global warming is real, but, but instead it's, I don't know if the election is real. Right. And, and if, if he can disseminate that idea thoroughly enough and mainstream it enough then when it comes time in November and say, you know, he, he, there's whatever technicality for butterfly ballots bullshit he wants to pull, then, you know, no one's going to come out in the streets because they're going to be like used to the idea. And I think like we've been, we've been slowly being boiled like fucking frogs. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'm I mean, very the boil, nervous. The boil doesn't feel that slow to me. I mean, I'm the, the the question is, I mean, if there's if there's large scale, I mean, we have to figure out like what is the voter tampering, you know, what does vote tampering look like? 
um, with the postal service, uh, how is it executed? I mean, I understand the sorting machine stuff and, and moving mailboxes or taking them away. And that's all very shady. The question is like, what's the mechanism? Who's doing it? How is there, where is there a paper trail? Is there no paper trail? Like, I do think you need a lot of people in a lot of places to either ignore, uh, or participate in that to make it work. Um, I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm saying it, it, you know, I, I expect and believe that the Republicans would love to uh, use the Postal Service to steal the to steal the uh, a victory, but I don't know that they actually can. Um, you know, but it's like if 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 I do think there needs to be an overwhelming show of support for people who are who want Trump gone, and like I think if we don't see that, then that's a bigger. I mean, if that doesn't ha- exist. Like if we don't have if, – if, if the 2018 midterms aren't a reflection of what we can expect in 2020, then we have a bigger problem in this country than um, voter fraud. You know, I mean I think we, we definitely do. We, I mean we have people who are pro-race riot and you know murdering Black Lives Matter protesters in the street and it's being – they're being defended by roughly 40% of this country. Like we, we have, we have some like deep shit to deal with whether or not he wins. I mean, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, Trump has certainly gotten the worst out of people. I mean, he's, he's had people turn into the, I mean, at least on, on the, in the Republican party. I mean, Republicans have never been good, but now they really just want to say like, we want to, we want to hurt people who are already, you know, at the poverty line or below, because we, we think there's two classes of people in this country, you know, and that's largely a lot of that is driven. So driven by a lot of different things, but they clearly think there's like the winners and the losers in America, you know, like if Trump's, if Trump's presidency can be defined by any concept and it's very in keeping, I think with, uh, I mean, he's obviously like a racist, but like, that's one thing, but he's also like obsessed with this idea that there's like two sides of this country that there's like the, the winners and the the people that are like the 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 top, you know, uh, the best people, and then there's the losers who don't deserve to have a second thought, right? And to him, of course, the losers are like immigrants or black people or you know Jewish people or uh, you know people who are, live in blue states or whatever you can. There's all this criteria, but his whole governing model and now the governing model of the Republicans, and this has been true for a long time. But like it's now so it's so out in the open. It's like they just believe that there's like the people who are going to survive and the people who are going to be used to create Soylent Green, you know. So I'm reading Mary Trump's book. Um, mm, oh, and it's very interesting. I mean, it, it's a horrifying read. It's obviously a page turner because it's juicy as hell. Um, but it's really interesting because, I mean, that's basically what Trump's entire life was built around this is a whole philosophy based on his horrifying father who was like easily easily the most identifiable sociopath i've ever like encountered through text um he encouraged him in this belief that like there's always a winner and a loser and in order to win everyone else has to lose and that like nothing in life matters but winning nothing in life matters but like money or power or fame like that is the pursuit of everything Mm. and like and it's like this prosperity gospel mixed with sociopathy that he, I mean, Trump was kicked out of his school in Queens in, in, uh, in, in like his, his uh, primary school because he was bullying kids who were younger than him 
or disabled or little girls, and they couldn't get him to stop physically and emotionally bullying kids. So they sent him to a military school where essentially it was just like super abusive. And so he has, his entire life has been in this like feedback cycle of like, he acts out in public and, and defies quote unquote, like rules, nothing applies to him. And then whatever happens negatively because of that, he is bailed out by enablers. For example, like his father, um, investors who were like heavily invested in him being a success. And then once you're already pretty in, you have that sunk cost fallacy of like, well, let's fix it for him because we need him to be a success or whatever. And you see this like pattern through his life and that clearly he... Uh, he's also a person who's like really scared of being humiliated. And that comes through really clearly in the book is that like m- most of the stories that his family tells about him, like his brothers and sisters and his cousins and all the people that Mary spoke to in the book, they always tell stories where he was embarrassed or like humiliated in some way because mm. they're so, it, he it upsets him so much and they're, Clearly, those are the only levers of power that they sort of have over him as a family member at this point, and they all clearly resent him and his behavior. And so they tell these stories about, like, the little embarrassing things that, like, people wouldn't even remember. Like, shit that you just, like, as a kid that just happens and nobody cares. It doesn't, like, define you. But, like, they're obsessed with these stories of, like, humiliation. And he, like, the ultimate thing he, like, hates is to be humiliated in that way. And, like, I feel like the last four years has been... I mean, he obviously only ran for president because he felt like Obama humiliated him in public. And now the last four years have just been him stubbornly refusing to like, quote unquote, be humiliated and and resenting anyone who is proof of that. And like you see that in like his like people wearing masks are doing it because they hate me. Like when he said that, like that kind of logic. And so I look at all of that and I'm just like, even if he loses, like we, we have this... This person has been in a bad feedback cycle with all of his supporters and he's made tons of little trumps around the country and tons of people have been enabled into like growing into sociopathic behavior, even if they're not like clinically sociopaths, they've been encouraged and like they've enshrined this. And the thing that I guess like all of which to say, I don't know, the whole generation of kids is looking at this like it's a normal perspective to have. Like this behavior is normal and acceptable and like... if anything, it's like venerated by half of the country. And like, it's, it's frustrating because like, I don't know how you like pull back from the, like we're at a level of like mental illness at a massive scale, like rooting for people to be shot for protesting, like rooting for fellow Americans for violence against them or rooting to like rip our country apart in a second civil war. Like that's mental illness. Like racism is mental illness to begin with, but like that is a level of like, I don't know how you like treat people on that scale. I don't it's, know how we yeah. like reform any of this. It's 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 very strange to watch and to hear. And at the same time, you have social networks like Facebook are reshaping people's even feedback loop of like what's good and what's bad and like what's for public consumption and like what gets in quote unquote engagement. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the, the yeah. worst parts of people are being encouraged by the government, by corporations. Like we in America, and frankly, white Americans have basically no culture. They have nothing to fall back on. It's right. all consumerism. It's right. all attention driven. And- it's true. It's true. I mean, it's I've I've actually been thinking about this a lot about the 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 culture gap where it's like, um, you know, I'm Jew. I was raised Jewish. You know, I'm 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 uh, 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 I don't believe in God. Um, but, uh, 
but I was raised Jewish and I have a culturally, right. There's this whole culture and sort of, um, social structure that it comes along with that with like kind of Eastern European Jew from like the coasts. There's this whole, you know, it's very like Seinfeld and Woody Allen and, and curb your enthusiasm. And like, you know, I mean, you know, like, you know, a uh, Portnoy's complaint, there's this whole, there's this whole like Jewish culture that's like, has nothing to do with the religion itself. It's just like this, like society, sort of social structure, which like I, you know, and, and obviously like I, I know the history of, you know, to some degree, the history of my family and the music and, and the history of the Jews. And there's like a lot of culture attached to that, that even though I'm not like a practicing Jew, I identify as Jewish and there's like, there is a culture there. I think a lot about the, um, you know, these people who would, these white supremacists and people like Donald Trump who come from places like Germany or other areas in, you know, Eastern Europe. And, and, you know, I think about what their contributions to culture have been. Now, obviously you can go back and there's great thinkers and philosophers and blah, 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 politicians and all this shit, great musicians. And, 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 um, you know, there's no shortage of art, great artists and that sort of thing. It's certain periods of time, you know, but it's not like, um, it, it's if you look at like America as it is today, what is rep- and this is perhaps what is so troubling to these people. When you look at the culture of America and its most vibrant places, it is like this mixture of people from many, many different places, often, more often than not, not like white countries or predominantly white European countries, where you have this like, you know, incredible, like if it's if it's music or it's food or it's art or it's f- philosophy, like in there, you know, and it's just a where America is is most incredible is when you see all of those things like brought together in this, you know, the fucking melting pot that people talk about, but it really is true. And you see it in New York. I, you know, I've been privileged to, to, I, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, which is not, uh, not diverse. It's pretty diverse, but it's not like New York, you know? And I'm, ha- and I've had the experience of being able to come and live in New York and, and see all of this stuff in real time and see how people, how it changes the way people are with each other. It changes like, what you it changes what you know about people it changes how you feel about people i tweeted earlier today actually about this so i've been thinking a lot about the fact that like what would the culture be without those op- without all of those people coming and intermingling and it would suck it would be so fucking boring and stupid and lame and like not just just would just be so it's like what is the culture of like these people who are white supremacists what is their what is their music what is their food what is their philosophy what it's all like it's all shit from like from like you know, it's basically dark ages, you know, it's basically like, but I mean, those people that you're calling like white, like obviously Jews are only recently Italians, Irish people less recently, but still only recently only considered white because you, and you only get that medal, that number one sticker that like free pass to do a bunch of shit. You are, and of course you're incentivized to want to be white passing. Of course people have been forever, but you only achieve that if you strip out all community and identity. And so when you look at people who are like, I'm from Germany, they came here just like my ancestors came here and fucking ditched that shit as fast as they fucking could because they wanted to succeed in a consumerist capitalist country that prioritized white identity. And what is white identity? It's like nothing. It is a vacuum. It is power and nothing else. It is the pursuit of power, the pursuit of homogeny, the pursuit of success and acceptance, but only at the like su- uh, through the subjugation of other people. And so you pursue that, right? Then the people around you, either they can imitate that and be a pale imitation of whiteness, which is 
you, what you encourage, or they can forge their own identity and find success in that way. And then white people resent them for having culture or resent them for having history that isn't about whiteness and venerating it and like, like holding whiteness up as this like Western Ju- Judeo-Christian values. And so you pl- have places like New York, which are these beautiful cultural tapestries of, 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 mixing of of all different places people and places from around the world um and it is the most resented place in the country because of that and it's because these people have like i mean if you have no identity to cling to i mean that's kind of what american history x is about you don't have an identity and so you i mean hate is such the best way to unite a group of people is to hate someone else the best way to get everybody on the same team and to feel like you're in a group is to be against something else or something at all and so these white supremacists i think they just don't have anything they don't have a community they don't have a culture they don't have a philosophy they don't have they have a desperation to succeed and to survive right and they're well their only outlet and their only way to like form a cohesive group unit is to say slurs and I that mean, I, I don't want to slippery slope it but it is a slippery slope from saying well, the n-word to being I, a white well i mean well i think i tweeted about this earlier today and i think that um it's true which is i i think that like donald trump gives a certain subset of the population in America, a a freedom and cover to hate and feel hatred and fear about things that they um, don't have experience with. Right. Like, and I think that, that, that fear and hatred are like safety blankets to people in a lot of ways. Like it is very easy. It is very easy to hate. It is very easy to like, to other people and it is very because it's like it doesn't require any work right it basically just Mm -hmm. requires your own mind your mind going i've decided that this person is this way or this group of people is this way you don't have to know you don't have to learn you don't have to know you can just feel it right you go with your gut and like i think that for a lot of people in this country people have been raised in places where they don't interact with or have very limited interactions with people from other cultures or other races it's very feels very safe for them to feel that they are that there is an enemy that somebody they should worry about and that the and that they have to like be stand against. I mean, to your point, that idea of like you, there's a winner and a loser, and that you can only only there can only be one winner and one loser or whatever. I think it's like and Trump really lets them have that. It like he's like here it is. It's okay for you to feel that way. It's like your worst instincts. Everybody's been telling you your worst instincts are wrong, but I'm here to tell you that they're right. And it's like it's like kind of like you know like wouldn't it be great? Like have you ever been eating ice cream and you're like I was just thinking this. And yes. you're like, you're, you're like, you're like, I don't like, I could eat this whole fucking tub of ice cream. Yeah. It tastes so fucking good. And it makes you so mad that you know that like the ice cream is ultimately pretty bad for you. And then if you keep eating tubs of ice cream, like you will like become overweight and it will make you unhealthy. But it's like, imagine if somebody came and was like, you know what? Everybody's been telling you that tub of ice cream will make you fat. But guess what? Not only will it not make you fat. You'll actually be in better shape if you eat the tub of ice cream. You know, there will be, be like, more fuck. of you. You'd be like, "Fuck yes!" Like I enjoy this; it feels good, and I want more of it. And now somebody's telling me I can have it. You know, and like it is like very, it is very. You know, I've heard I talked about this before, but like you know, living with a child, a six-year-old, watching a kid grow up, you can see the those feelings, those like un, uh, not unevolved, but those feelings that are like Impulses. you know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, right? And you don't know what's really bad for you. Kids don't know what's bad for them. Like you have to tell them, you know? You have to say like you can't 
do this thing because it could be dangerous or you can't eat this thing too much because that could make you sick or whatever. And like, it is like a lack of information, a lack of understanding. I think like the reason why, the reason why places that have like, you know, diverse uh, urban populations tend to go blue is, is like, there is that, there is something that happens when you get exposed to other people that aren't like you. And, and often what happens is you, you begin to feel, you understand them. And you, you sympathize with them and empathize and like, then it becomes much harder to hate them, you know? And like, we, we have this huge gap in this country where so many people, you look at the red states, the hardcore red states, you know? And yes, of course, there's some with huge histories of like real racism and slavery, but there's a lot that are like, they're just, people are so far apart and so um, lacking in education about what the rest of the world is like and what other people are like, that it's just the easy default to go like, I need to, I need to focus on what I have and what I am and make sure nobody else gets any of that. And like Trump just gives people permission. And it's just so fucking depressing because if the world were made in the shape of what Trump, uh, talks about and what his, the people who love him agree with, it would be the most boring, most uninteresting world that you could possibly fucking imagine. And like, you know, it's and it's and it's bad. It's retrograde. It's fucking moving in the wrong direction. And so, you know, these are people who like would love to ban gay marriage. They're people who would love to go back to saying, you know, Roe v. Wade should be uh, uh, should be reversed. You know, people who are like, we should segregate on buses and we should segregate in schools and people should be with their own kind. That's the fucking thinking. That's the line of thinking, and it is like a fucking safety blanket to some of these people. And Donald Trump is putting the fucking blanket on them. Anyhow, if this country doesn't soundly reject it in November, if we don't see, you know, I was just looking, and this is something I like to look at every now and again as I look at the 2018 um, midterms, you know, and it's a historic, historic turnout for voters. We flipped 41 seats in the House. Um, you know, uh, we didn't flip, weirdly, we, we lost two seats in the Senate. Um, but we have to do something like what we did in the house with the rest of, of these, uh, elections in November. I mean, if, if the, if people can't come together and see, look, I don't even care if we agree, if you like Bernie and I like fucking Biden and we can't agree on their politics, totally get it. I totally understand that. But if we can't agree that, that Trumpism and what it's doing to this country needs to be taken care of, needs to be eradicated, then, then I, you know, like I said, then we do have bigger problems. I think the people are there and I think people feel this. I think this is an election about electing Joe Biden. Fuck Joe Biden. Who cares about Joe Biden? This is an election about getting rid of Donald Trump. And I think if the, if the people who really, truly despise Trumpism come together, we can get rid of Donald Trump. And that's all that needs to happen right now, in my opinion. And I hope that it does. And uh, now we got to talk about technology or something because I'm getting really depressed. Well... I don't even know how we get on this topic. We're talking about Facebook. Well, I mean, it's kind of a smooth transition of there are groups right now that are lobbying the Biden campaign and eventually, hopefully, the Biden administration not to hire anyone who works as a higher level executive at Facebook at the moment. Yeah. Um, because yeah. so this, for example, this letter says like from s spreading dangerous COVID-19 health conspiracies to supercharging election misinformation to promoting racist content about Black Lives Matter protesters, enabling white supremacist movements and serving as tools of authoritarian regimes. 
Facebook is proving itself unwilling to protect public health, stop the spread of racism and hate, and prevent violence. Despite the rise in intolerance for disinformation, numerous data-related scandals, and elevated surveillance, Facebook continues to reign simply due to its lack of competition. Um, And I think it's important to say that if this group is uh, a monopoly and is clearly ill-intentioned toward government um, or social movements, that maybe like the the one like left wing organized political party shouldn't like embrace them. And uh, you know, like I, don't I, agree. Think, I strongly I mean, agree with, I strongly people agree are like, this. this isn't unfair. This is unfair to these people who are employees. It's like, well, you don't have to work there. You really don't. You, a, a higher level executive has some choices in life. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, also there are a lot of, there are a lot of companies um, I mean, now, of course, there's an argument. Somebody would say, well, it's good if they, you know, tap somebody from Facebook because then they can become influential to other people at Facebook, which, like, honestly is an argument that I'd be willing to hear out given how fucked up everything is. But um, I do I don't think, know. I think I think the White House has enough power that Facebook is going to have to listen to them, whether well, or not they bring in yeah. any of their cronies. Even better than bringing in their cronies would be to bring in really fucking smart regulators who can look at these companies and start going, wait a second, what you're doing here is fucking wrong. It's bad for humanity. It's bad for people. We need to deal with it. Like, I I agree with you. I also think there are plenty, so many brilliant uh, uh, thinkers and doers in technology, in the world of technology that aren't, that are either working on solutions to make, you know, information, to get inform- better information to people in a clearer way or working on systems that are um, more ethical or are thinking about the ways that we, you know, design uh, social networks and and social systems online to actually serve everybody and not just, you know, one weird algorithmic line of people, um, one weird algorithmically identified line of people. Um, I think, like, there are many choices there and, like, to go to somebody from Facebook is – you know, should not be at the top of the list. I think there are better people to put on that list. And I think that I would hope that, I mean, what I'm hoping with, with, I mean, let's hope we get to the point at all. But to be clear, you know, it, if Biden becomes president, that he is, I would hope, and that people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are surrounding him and pushing him to fill these roles um, with a different set of people than Joe Biden and his, you know, typical group of associates might might uh, staff them with like I, I just i just there needs to be some there needs to be some force i mean it's funny because trump talks about how joe biden is a puppet of the radical left and it's like i fucking wish you know like i wish joe biden was a puppet of the radical left like yeah if you know only. It, it's an incredible i mean it's an incredible story that he tells because we're like everybody who's like got really like strong left very left-leaning ideas is like God, Joe Biden is so fucking middle of the road and is not going to do any of the stuff we need him to do to really like affect change and like is so disappointed by him as the candidate. Meanwhile, like the Republicans are like, this guy is a terrorist. He is uh, sent from uh, he's just like a Venezuelan dictator, leftist dictator. It's like, yeah, he's he's going to he's about to socialize everything. You know, Joe Biden, great king of socializing. It's fucking insane. <laughs> Anyhow, but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I agree. Like we shouldn't, yeah, don't, don't staff up with Facebook people. <laughs> this thing gets Zuckerberg. Definitely get Zuckerberg on the team. <laughs> um, 
so in other news, uh, but also similar, uh, a federal appeals court found this week, um, they uh, confirmed that the NSA snooping on American citizens was illegal, uh, which, you know, a really nice moment in a sea of absolutely awful shit to know that like someone somewhere has some ethical standards at all. I'm I'm Uh, so excited. I mean, I had no, I didn't know for sure, you know, if that it was illegal to spy on citizens for no reason. Uh, But now we found out that it is, (laughs) which is, I think is really refreshing and exciting. I mean, in the ruling, they like thank Edward Snowden for bringing this to public attention. And it's like, well, he still isn't really allowed in our country. So if we can handle that as well, that would be nice. I mean, isn't there like a warrant? Doesn't he have a warrant? I mean, isn't there like he can't mm-hmm. come into the country because he'll be arrested? Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, it seems like I mean, think about prism. Think about the whole fucking Snowden thing, which seems like. I mean. It, it's it's like another lifetime to me. It you know? still does boggle my mind, though. I understand it's another lifetime. I remember where I was when I heard the story broke. I was on vacation in Pennsylvania um, going to Hershey Park editing a podcast. Um, and I uh, like I was sitting in the hotel room waiting to leave because I had to finish editing the podcast first. And I saw that on the news. And it really was like pretty mind-blowing that during the Obama administration, what was essentially a conspiracy theory of like dark web like reddit nonsense was confirmed to be absolutely true like that it's still pretty shocking i mean it wasn't it wasn't an obama thing though was it i mean this was like something that was attached to like an extension of like the patriot act right totally but it was happening under the obama administration's nose and they were happy happy to use the data (laughs) i mean you know it's 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 but it, it's it's so crazy because I mean I remember it's funny because I at the at the time when that was happening um, I was shooting a pilot for a TV show that never happened oh, um, for that. for FX and um, it was like you know like a talk show thing and we did a segment where we went out on the street and we talked to people about Prism and um, and I was just like I was like in Times Square and I was like do you know what Prism is and people were like I think that's the new Katy Perry record like <laughs> no, nobody like no regular person. Like one guy was like, "Oh yeah, that's the uh, spying program that the NSA has been using." <laughs> like, but like so many people, are, it's like think about. It, but this one I'm talking about like, the the information gap is like so crazy in this country. Like the information that people have is is it, it's like we're so we've done such a bad job yeah. of informing the population about things they should be concerned about, and we've done such a good job of putting things in front of them that are like. You know, we literally it's I, I know it's like a cliche, but we really do live in like the if it bleeds, it leads, you know, reality where the stuff that we want to show people. I mean, you look at CNN and these like networks and they're like hammering on these stories that are, you know, it's funny. Brian Stelter, who's on CNN, had this piece the other, you know, like a week ago about about um, citizen sort of like citizen driven journalism, not citizen journalism, but, but, but doing journalism about stories that have an actual impact on um, like the population, you know, like if, if, if voters in America are like, I don't have a job right now, I can't pay my rent. I'm getting evicted. i have all these bills piling up and the government is not doing anything to help me. Like that should be the story. The stories that we tell should be stories that are directly impacting, uh, uh, you know, what, you know, most Americans are worried about and need to know about right now versus like creating this narrative about, uh, 
you know, rioters in cities across America. But like, you know, I guarantee you the percentage of time they spend, we know there's a few cities in, in America right now where protests have turned, uh, violence, not the right word, but protests have gone from like peaceful protests to like setting shit on fire and like breaking some windows. Right. Which is like really bad and people shouldn't do it. But also like when, when people are getting shot in broad daylight for no reason, there's like you you lose your cool after a while and i totally fucking understand it and like i don't i don't equiv i don't i don't draw an equivalence between a human being's life and a fucking shop getting set on fire like they just are not compatible in terms of like the 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 those are not those aren't parallel acts you know murder is like on a whole different level like but like the but the point is so we know that there's some protests that have gotten you know Violent, let's say for the lack of a better way to describe it. We know that Trump has purposefully inflamed those protests where he sent either, uh, you know, secret police or has gotten his like fucking Proud Boys crews fired up enough to go and antagonize peaceful, pro- actually peaceful protesters. Mm-hmm. So there's a story there, right? Trump wants the story to be America's str- cities are in ruins thanks to the radical left and the only person who can stop them is me Donald Trump. And like that story is not what most people in America are worried about right now. That story is a lie. That story is bullshit. That story is a, an invention, right? There are a lot of people peacefully protesting all over the country with no issue. There are some protests that get that get uh violent or more heated. Those do that does happen. It happens all the time, but they are typically like c- c- pretty controllable. It's not like it's not like all of Portland is, has been raised, you know. It's not like if you go to Portland, like there's no more city. Like it's like some shit got set on fire, a few things got broken, its statue got pulled down. It's like uh, pretty under control for the most part. But his narrative is like we're under attack from radical Antifa, and they have to be stopped. But and so you know, it's funny because Stelter was like on CNN talking about. I'm going to bring this back to the to the Stelter point about the things that I think that he's right about, where it's like people are really worried about their like families. And I don't mean they're not worried about Antifa. They're worried about like feeding their families. They're worried about why they stopped getting fucking stimulus checks when we were in the middle of a pandemic that Trump has like thrown gasoline onto like what was a, a horrible fire. Trump has just been dumping gasoline on, you know, they're worried about public health. They're worried about healthcare. Like shit that's real to people here. But like CNN and fucking MSNBC don't spend a lot of time on those topics. They spend most of their time talking about Trump talking about fucking rioters, you know? And so like when you think about this this, this unbelievable gap in information we have in this country where it's like not only are we – do we have things like Facebook and Twitter that are just like an unmitigated pollution of information for the most part um, – but then you've got like major networks in this country that want to tell a narrative that is the president's narrative, which is the wrong narrative about the country. And I mean, because it fucking excites people and gets people to watch and gets people to click. And then you have like this huge other problem where local media has been wiped out over the last 10 years or 20 years. And like you don't even have anything you can go to and say like what's happening in my in my world. And so like to me, like the pollution of information is the biggest story of 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 this era of this of this cup last couple of decades and the fact that we are not solving that problem that we are only making it worse to me that there is no concerted effort 
um, at the highest levels of industry and of government to figure this out, to get people information is, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the issue of our day to me. And that is why you have such polarized viewpoints about what is going on in the world. I don't, I don't think, I, how many I don't times think we're... we have to ignore something that's like so obviously a terrible problem and idea right. that is growing by day by day. And then it blows up in our fucking faces. Like how many times do we have to do this? Not just as a globe, but like specifically as our country, like, no, how, I know. like climate change is going to happen now, whether or not, and we could have done anything about it and we would have I mean, all been better off. It's like fucking crazy. I mean, there is, there is, I mean, there is, again, I'm not going to say there's like a silver lining because of coronavirus, but there is, I do think coronavirus, the coronavirus has snapped us out some out of somewhat of um, a stupor. Yeah. I mean, I think it's woken up a lot of people, I hope, to realize that like the, the, that this shit is all connected and, and, and it isn't just about um, like it isn't just about the small things that you perceive or that you think, well, you know, my vote doesn't matter. They're all the same or whatever. You think there's no difference? Like there's no difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump? There's a big fucking difference, you know? Your vote actually does matter. Like the way the world is right now is a direct result of your vote. A direct result. It's It's not inevitable. It's very comforting the number of times I see posted on Reddit on news stories, big and small, multiple people saying, I really used to think my vote didn't matter. And now I'm so horrified. By yes. That. And like, yes, it this is, is comforting like, to see the number of people I, saying that. I'm telling you, it's like my father-in-law, I bring, I, I bring up this point all the time. He's a guy who's never been interested in politics. I've talked about this a lot. He is really fired up to vote. He's really fired up to go and cast a vote against Donald Trump. He is scared about Donald Trump. He's scared about what Donald Trump is doing to the country. This guy is a guy who did not give a shit. You know, and like that to me is, is now that was, that's just, that's just Donald Trump being Donald Trump. I like to think that, that on top of Donald Trump being Donald Trump, that the, the, that COVID-19 has made everybody really aware of the fact that like you put a dumbass in charge, who's going to shake things up. The way he may shake things up is like he eliminates the pandemic response team that would have been able to see this shit coming and would have been able to get us prepared in a much better way for an actual pandemic, you know? And like, that means you're fucked right now directly. You know, like that is on, that is, that is on Donald Trump and it is on the vote that we cast, you know, whatever direction it was. I mean, you know, like, I mean, if you voted for Donald Trump, I mean, not whatever direction, I mean, like if you cast a vote for Donald Trump, there is a direct line from that vote to the uh, reduction in pandemic readiness that we have to, you know, the way coronavirus is spread in this country. I tweeted a great thread today from a guy named Arthur Chu. Um, who is, uh, I don't know, he's an actor, he's a comedian, he's an interesting dude, but he basically is talking about um, Taiwan and how they handled coronavirus and it, that he has relatives there, you know? And he basically is like, don't say that we couldn't get this under control. We could have. It would have sucked and it would have been hard, but there was a, there's a way to do it by having a plan. And if we had leadership that that committed to that plan and committed to science and said to the said to our our population, this is going to be tough, but it's gonna it's gonna work. We would not be where we are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't. The world we, we the world you live in today in America wouldn't look like this. 
We more people would be we'd back be in, to work. I know more we'd people be in would the be office. Out. We'd be seeing our family members. We'd be going on vacations. I mean, we'd yeah. be living our lives. I mean, I mean, and 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 you know, in in addition to that, within you know, within the president's power is the power to make sure that people have the supplies they need, the healthcare they need, the equipment they need. And this president has not done that. You know, that we could have, I mean, we could have a situation had we done this right, where we really hunkered down that there was a federal nationwide mandate that we were just shutting the country down for a couple of months. This is, we're talking like two months. Okay. We're in like month seven of this now or whatever, you know, and it's, and, and the truth is they're not going to have a vaccine. I mean, the thought right now is like the reality of getting a vaccine that works is probably more like the end of next year. I know, and they're cooking up some like back alley fucking lemonade to. Well, shoot yeah, to I mean, I mean, right you know, before and, the like, election, and and I guarantee you, there's gonna be people who who take that shit and get very sick or die and because it's so like, fucked up. You because can't, like, we've been you trying can't, to fight anti vaxxers for how long? You can't snap your fingers and make a vaccine. It just doesn't work that way. And no matter how much you fucking call it Operation Warp Drive, anyhow. But but what I'm saying is. There is a way to change it if the leadership – We, I mean, do you know how much we've lost in this country besides the 180, 190,000 dead now and continuing to rise? We have lost so much. I mean, have a, be a fucking parent for a second and see what it's done to kids. To the Like I have a little kid. Do you know how much it's fucked up her life, how weird this has been for her and how hard, how she hasn't been able to see people or do things that she was doing that were helping her grow as a person? Like it's insane. And that's just one tiny little piece of it. There has been so much loss that we can't even begin to calculate. And the reality is, and what nobody seems to really want to say or understand is that it didn't have to be this way. And it is this way because of the person who is leading the country and the way that they're making decisions for the country. Make no mistake about it. This is 100%. Not 100%. Not 100%. It's like 80% on Donald Trump, the way things have happened. Okay? Because like he didn't control, he didn't create the virus. He didn't uh you know uh personally go and spray it on people in this country uh but he could have acted in many ways and he didn't and it's like that's fucking real you know like it didn't have to be this way and that i hope that people feel like when next the next shot they have at this to to get leadership in this country that they are like a lot more thoughtful or a lot I mean, more it's scared. heartbreaking because there's so many tragedies that we can't even focus on anymore. I mean, like we Puerto Rico is ravaged, and nobody can even begin to give a shit because the rest of us are fucking ravaged too. Yeah, it's well. Fucking... We have right. we do have good things to talk about. We should actually talk about some good stuff. Um, Let's do it. So Nintendo just announced a whole bunch of new Mario games going into the fall and a new take on their original handheld game console, the Game & Watch, to come out all around Mario's 35th anniversary. Mm. It's a wild, it's a wild day. It's a wild release. It's very exciting. Now, look, I'll be honest with you. I have a lot of game systems and I don't know if I need another one that just plays a version of uh, Super Mario Brothers, but I have a feeling also I'm going to purchase this. Uh, which is problematic. What what do we know about this handheld uh, game and watch system? Is it, do we think there will be, I mean, it's obviously like an emulator basically, right? Yeah, it, it's do, basically modeled on the original game and watch um, uh, from Nintendo. So it, the original Mario, Super Mario Brother uh, version, which was a black and white sort of like, it looks like a watch face screen. It was like this LCD little one game. And so they, they, they took a, a copy of, 
like a, a full release copy of Super Mario Brothers and they put it on uh, the model that was sort of based on uh, the design of of that original one. Right. Um, and in addition, they're also releasing uh, three of Super Mario uh, 3D games, uh, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Galaxy as a package. They're releasing Super Mario 3D World and its DLC as a package. And this is the kind of the coolest thing. They're releasing Super Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, which it's this toy like Mario in a cart that you can control like a like an RC car. But it uses a camera within the toy to put a video of where the card is going on the Nintendo Switch screen, but it overlays it with like other racers and items. So you can play Mario Kart with like a physical car around your living room. Like kids are gonna freak out over Yeah, this, this is this is nuts. So it's like I mean, this to me is like really cool. It's essentially like there's a real car, right? That drives around your real house, and then it like you can do a setup essentially, which is by I mean, like Zelda would love this because she loves like doing setups, but like the setup becomes like the track where you race, like in a Mario Kart race, like on the Switch, against like virtual, see it, it's yeah, against against like virtual, um, like players, it's nuts. I mean, you got to watch the video, you got to go to inputmag.com and watch the video. Um, it is, uh, it's so rad looking. It's like if if you showed this to somebody like 20 years ago, their head would have exploded. This is the kind of stuff that I would have dreamed up as a kid, like like and play pretend with like a roll of toilet paper or whatever. Like God, this so, is shit is it's so crazy. Age. It's so crazy. It's so awesome. I mean, I'm looking at it, I'm just watching the video right now, and it's just like it's just such a rad idea. I mean, I don't know what it'll be like in execution. I assume – I mean, Nintendo's pretty fucking good at executing, so I assume that they that this works really well. Um, oh, you can play with multiple cars. Oh, my God. This that is, is so, good. so wild. That well, is we, so good. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to pick all of this up uh, in the fall, and then you can go to InputMag.com and see our coverage of it, including the video and the release dates for all of these, but – Certainly I mean, makes for a very fun 35th it, anniversary. It's legitimately genius level what they've decided to do. I mean, their idea that they're like, put the camera in the car and then it's like the same perspective as you have in the game is just like, I don't know what genius and Nintendo came up with it, but I want to give them a huge smooch. And a raise. Yes. Also on the site, we have some coverage uh, of the Galaxy Z Fold 2, which Ray got his hands on to play with and to compare with Microsoft's Surface Duo phone. Uh, both of these are those like foldable style cell phones that are in vogue at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like the trend, the folding trend is clearly not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and honestly, I, I have to say both the, the Surface Duo and the the new Fold which is a, the name is, I mean, this name, Galaxy Z Fold 2. It's just, can you pick one, pick one <laughs> name, you know, call it like, just call it the Fold, like, and then it could be like, you know, V2. Like the Fold V2 is pretty good. Okay, anyhow, um, I have to say they've improved like the out the outward facing screen. So it's like regular phone size. Actually, it's like a like long, skinny phone, which looks kind of cool. I, I, I do want one. I don't, I mean, you know, um, uh, Evan did this piece about how he turned his Galaxy Fold, the original one, into like a perfect like four by three screen for retro gaming with a like with a controller. And I think that is has it kind of infected my brain into thinking like I should do this and like this will be like 
an alternative to my switch. Like I can play all of like the retro games that I want to play on this in like their full screen beauty. Um, but it's $2,000. It's a lot of money and I really don't need another phone. Um, and then the duo is like, the duo is cool. Cause it, I feel like they have some software ideas that we talked about this before the, the, that Microsoft has really good software chops, especially as of late. And that they have some ideas about how to use a dual screen device that really, um, fixes a lot of the stuff that doesn't work on other dual screen or folding devices. But like I haven't used it and Ray's working on his review. And so we're going to find out if it, if it lives up to the potential, but I do feel like I kind of like trust Microsoft software chops more than Samsung. And so I feel like if anybody's going to get that part, right, it could be, it will be Microsoft, but like, I don't know. I do. I'm like, this is, I thought I was for sure not interested in having a folding phone or a folding device and both these devices have made me rethink my position. Well, um, it was a hard sell with the original Galaxy Fold because it was very, very uh, delicate and it broke very easily. Um, the outside screen on, uh, of the folding, like the surface, um, was very small. You really couldn't use it as a phone. Uh, when you opened it up, it was a big, beautiful screen, but again, a very delicate screen. This is like a little bit more solid. The hinge is a little bit more solid. The outside actually looks like a real phone. Like I could see myself actually using this. The first device was sort of a proof of concept, but this, I mean, $2,000 is a steep price. Some of the sting of that is taken out if your carrier does like those monthly installments or whatever. Um, right. But $2,000 is $2,000 and that's a lot of money for a phone, but what you are getting is a phone and kind of a mini tablet in one. So if you're someone who is in the market for both of those things and you like using Android as your main operating system, it doesn't seem like the worst idea. Um, whether or not this catches on with like the public mainstream consumer, I don't know if it was like yeah. worth all of Samsung's R&D. I don't know that this is necessarily going to find its way into the hands of a million teenagers just yet. Um, well, they have they have a lot of other devices, but I mean, this obviously, I think that Samsung is going like, okay, this is for a very specific kind of customer. We're really just showing off how crazy we can get and our weird ideas. And we don't think this is going to be a runaway, you know, success in terms of like number of sales, right? Like I think this is, mm -hmm. this firmly falls in their experimentation category, but it's like kind of like, um, you know, it's like high end experiment. If that makes any sense. Totally. It's like, it's like an experiment for rich people, <laughs> which, you know, is, is it's a look. It's very Iron Man. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. We can go to oh nice my God. things. <laughs> yeah, anything that's it. Nice? yeah. I mean, I got a couple, I got some stuff to talk about that's in the realm of nice things. Um, and lay it uh, on we me. Should, we should do that. You want me to go? I never go first. I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Positivity, as you know, it's a known <laughs> fact about me. Um, so I, so as you know, I was on vacation the last two weeks and, um, during the vacation, we rented a house and at the house there were, bikes that you could use if you wanted to bike around the, the town that we were in. And I started biking on a bike and I was like, okay, so, you know, I had an injury. I don't know if I've talked about this, but I had a knee injury. We went to CES. Let me tell I don't know if I've ever told this story. Oh my God. We went to see, we went to CES where we all got coronavirus and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and I, so, so years ago I bought a Peloton, we bought a Peloton and I rode it like one time. I'm, as you know, I'm not like a health nut. I wrote it one time and I'm like, I've always been like, man, I, I should get back on the Peloton and like, I should use that on a regular basis. Like, I really like it. 
I really love it. I think it's a great idea. It's just like I'm not motivated. So I went to we went to um, a CES and uh, Nicole D'Alessandro was there, who who's a part of our team, and she also has a Peloton. She's like, you got to get on your Peloton. We're gonna be we should be Peloton buddies. And I'm like, okay. I'm, she I'm she had this. me. I bought the Peloton like at the table because we were drinking a lot. Oh, wow. And she was like, wow. she was like, you got to get the Peloton. And you were like, I'm all about my Peloton. And I was like, yeah, I'm was like, getting yeah, a Peloton. Yeah. Wait, did you get a Peloton? <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you use it? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst. This is the worst. It's the, well, you and I, okay. So, okay. So, so, so I'm like, you know what? You're fucking right. I'm going to, when I get home from CS, I felt, you know, it, when you're at CS, you eat like shit, you drink a lot. It's just like a bad scene you know yeah. and i'm like yeah you're right and it's also january so it's like you prime time for like getting your shit together you're like oh yeah boy i really like went crazy at the end of the year i'm gonna like you new year's resolution 2020 is gonna be my year <laughs> i'm like 2020 is gonna kill it's gonna be so good <laughs> so anyhow i should have known something was up so i go home i get home i'm like all right i'm like i'm gonna be friends with nicole because you can be have friends i'm like now this is gonna be like great peer pressure I'm like let me go for a ride <clears throat> i went for one ride and I did something heinous to my knee, like something popped in my knee and it hurt really bad. And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? I go to the doctor and they're like, oh yeah, you have a torn meniscus in your knee and like you either need surgery or physical therapy. I'm like, oh, this is fucking incredible. Like I, after years of not using the fucking thing, I get on it one time and ride and I messed up my knee. By the way, this is right before I was literally supposed to get, begin my physical therapy like the day that like the country shut down. Um or like a week before it or something. I mean, it's really like close. Anyhow, so so I have this messed up knee and it's been it has been hurting like the whole time. But I went out on one of these bikes at this at this house and it it my knee wasn't hurting. And I was like, and I and I went riding like around this town and it was super fun and it felt really good. And I was like, holy shit, I love this. This is great. And my knee isn't hurting. I'm gonna get a bike. So I spent a good portion of my vacation in the evenings looking and like reading up on different bikes, right? There are a million fucking bikes. There are so many fucking bikes and so many varieties from so many companies. But here's the interesting thing. You can't buy any of them right now. Every bike yep. is sold out <laughs> everywhere. Like bikes are not available. It turns out everybody during COVID, the COVID-19 lockdowns has gotten into biking. And yeah, we all biking. have the same idea. And it's biking everywhere. So I'm like, I went to a store and when we got home, I'm like, I'm just going to go to one of these bike shops nearby and I'm going to, you know, get a bike there. I went to a store, the, the person who worked at the store was like, uh, yeah, we're not going to have new bikes until the spring. I'm like, next spring? <laughs> They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Anyhow, so I finally found a bike. I bought a bike online uh, and it is, I got it yesterday. I had to put like the wheels on and the handlebars and stuff. And then like the seat post is too high for me. So I had to take it to a bike shop to get the seat post cut. Anyhow, but the point is I'm going to start riding a real bike, which hopefully will allow me to get back on the Peloton at some point. Um, and, uh, so my nice thing is, is I'm, um, you know, I have, as you know, I've got a lot of new hobbies and now one of my new hobbies is, is riding a bike. And I mean, at least I want it to be. And I believe after today, I will know if it is one of my new hobbies and, uh, yeah, that's my nice thing. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Uh, we bought a bike and a Peloton and we never use either. We use our no, electric scooter. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be a bike guy. Um, well, okay. So my nice thing, uh, this week is fall guys. Fall guys is the best. I mean, it's the, it best. Is the, it's the greatest thing that's happened to multiplayer gaming on the internet since multiplayer gaming was invented. Like it really is exactly what we need 
right now. It's so it is stupid like, and so it's, fun. It's silly. It is. I mean, it is. I find it to be very fucking stressful, and I do get very frustrated while playing it. But um, but it is a. It is generally just so lighthearted and low stakes, and like honestly, does require you to think really creatively and to think um, just like just to think very differently about like accomplishing goals and is just takes away all of the stuff that I hate about online gaming. Like it takes away names and it takes away like, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people are like got headsets and they're like talking to each other while playing it, but like, there's none of that. There's no like kids like fragging you. It's just like, you know, you're just, it's just like you're involved in this weird cartoon game show and it is so fun. I have one complaint about it, which is like, they need to make an auto respawn situation where like, as soon as you die, it just like, exits you into another match so like because like uh, anyhow this is a very specific concern if you've played fall guys it's just like when you lose it's like oh you lost you can watch and then it's like no you don't want to watch okay then you can quit to the like this other screen where you get some bonus points or whatever and it's like whatever you just want to get back to another game they Mm -hmm. should have a mode where you just auto spawn into a new game but that said it's an incredibly fun game it is uh, it requires almost no barrier to entry, except it's like 20 bucks. I, mean, I don't know. I bought it on my PC. I don't know how much it costs for PS4. It was and, free um, for the last month. Oh, really? Well, there you go. And it's just, is like a wonderful experience that it's I think delightful. everybody should have. It's definitely from the like Mario Kart Smash Brothers school of like this adorable <laughs> game will ruin your relationship and you'll break the controller. Um, yeah. But oh my God. You know, I've wanted to throw my controller multiple times, <laughs> but it's super fun. And when you put it down or pick it up, there's no like I don't need to like sit with the story like The Last of Us or like I don't need to like you know oh, I really feel guilty I got to get back to Fall Guys. It was a free game with PlayStation Plus. It is fun, mindless, cool, weird. It's just great. It, it, it's what America needs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's what America needs to heal right now. All right. Well, I guess that's it. That's it. All right. Well, it's time to get back to the uh, content minds and. Uh, <laughs> Mind some beautiful content. Get get content lung, as they call it. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, though I've just been informed that your entire family was pushed off of a large seesaw and has been eliminated from the match.